so we we um we didn't record during Christmas, and um, there were some some really good Christmas stories um, that that happened over the break. And uh, one I wanted to touch on. Um, so you're an educator. You uh, you shape young minds and hearts. That's a really nice way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sure you you try to be creative in the way you. Um, present assignments and topics and really try to engage the students in what they're learning. Yeah, the more engaging the activity, the better the learning, usually, because the kids are engaged in what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's more engaging than murdering an elf? So, some parents of a uh, British elementary school are complaining after an assignment involved uh, the murder of a Christmas elf. England. <laughs> So eight and nine year old students eight at, at the uh, Flowerfield Elementary School. What was that? <laughs> that was my British uh, Winston Churchill. Are you sure it was sounded like a very <laughs> grumpy guttural French word? The, the Flowerfield Elementary School. <laughs> that, was, that was obviously uh, the Brit- British bulldog. That, that's yes, that's that's British royal class, it's, ruling class. It sounded just like a bulldog. <laughs> Flowerfield Elementary School. I can't say it in. In proper English. Well, do it again in Churchill, because I think it may be... (laughs) How did he get elected if you talk that way? In Hyde, England. They They didn't even have subtitles back then. They they arrived for class one day to find a crime scene had been set up in the classroom. Yes. uh, Complete with the outline of the murder scene involving an elf on the shelf. So poor off on the shelf had been murdered. Um, quote from from a mother of one of the students: There was a crime scene in one of the classrooms. There was police tape, and a table had been knocked over, and there were there was blood smeared on one of the tables. The idea was elf had been murdered by another elf. Oh, elf on elf crime. <laughs> Don't elf harm, okay? Uh, my daughter came home and she was absolutely... <laughs> I get it. <laughs> okay, it took me a second. Elf harm. My daughter came home and she was absolutely traumatized. I'm not the only parent who felt like that. A lot of the kids in year four were unsettled by it. Um, so, obviously, the school responds by saying, Oh, we're sorry. We apologize. Like, oh, this the teacher obviously was just kind of stepped out of line and we had no idea something like this would happen, right? Okay, well, let, if this were a science class, maybe. Because I saw a video today at my school of the science department actually doing something similar where they had they put one of their skeletons down and did like a crime scene thing with the skeletons in yeah. a science class. Sure. I, I read ahead a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is what, can I read the next little part? Sure. Head teacher Ian Fell. Which is the, like their principal, right? Said the elf murder scene was part of a writing assignment. <laughs> and then I love his quote. I have been a teacher for 30 years, and this, in my judgment, is an appropriate, engaging, and exciting thing that children aged 8 and 9 have done. They have been so up for it. So something I want to point out about what happened at my school, they did it for like 7th and 8th graders. Right. Which is very different from 4th graders. Yeah. Well, and it's not even... Yeah, it's like 8 and 9-year-olds in Britain, right? So... Could you imagine walking into class and being an elf? Like, some kids probably still... When I was eight, I think I still believed in elves and Santa Claus. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, well, anyways. I'm just... uh, I don't remember a time where I believed in elves and Christmas. Well, Christmas, yes, but not like Santa. I believe in in Christmas and its basic It's scheduled every year on the same day. Yes, I believe in it. Okay. I also believe in the notions behind it. Anyway, we're getting off topic. The point is... When have we ever been on topic? 
I love our show. Why did you look at me in the eye? The way you looked at me in the eyes was a bit creepy when you said that. No, it wasn't. The one time we're on video, not on video, you can't accuse me of staring creepily into your eyes because I have nothing to back up that it wasn't creepy. How did I look at you? I don't know. Exactly. You don't know because I didn't look at you in any it creepy way. made me feel uncomfortable. Maybe because what you were saying was... I'm more comfortable with elf murder than how you looked at me. Well, wow. Well, seeing as how elves aren't real, hashtag spoilers. Spoiler alert, David. I know, sorry. Wow. For our younger viewers, they might be real. I don't know. Uh, have you seen uh, the movie Elf? Of course. I like that movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. Could you imagine if Will Ferrell was murdered in the first 15 seconds? Would hmm. it have been a better movie? Uh, in that movie, it who would have been a very been... different movie? Yes, it would have. Who who would have uh, directed by Jordan Peele? Who, <laughs> who would have who would have been the murderer if Buddy the Elf from Elf was murdered? Who would have killed him? It was probably the the uh, the one like head elf at the workshop that that tried to console buddy afterwards and tell him he wasn't a cotton picking ninny mu- cotton picking ninny muggins my gosh no a cotton headed ninny muggins oh cotton headed cotton picking <laughs> no no a cotton headed ninny muggins okay. yeah so because how could like, you not know that because he was obviously two-faced right because he consoled him in one scene and the next scene he's like talking behind his back about how horrible right. of a toy maker is and he's always missing his quotas right and so this this elf is probably like not being promoted because buddy's on his team right because this is what i see when he goes and confronts his real dad, his real dad offs him <laughs> to keep to keep his yeah. relationship secret. And, and well, that's that a stuff, lot right? of like back child support, man. Like millions of dollars is, kid, is that a thing? Back child support is that a thing? Yeah, I didn't know that. So yeah. if like if I showed up at a guy's door and I was like, "You owe me twenty years of child support because I'm a grown man now, and you're required to pay it to my mother," he would have to do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, in some jurisdictions, you have to do that, but like. If he wasn't paying then, he probably doesn't have the money to pay you now. Okay, speaking of speaking of finding out you're a father, yeah. okay, the second Jack Reacher movie, have you seen it? I don't think I have. No? So there's this girl that shows up that mm. claims to be Jack Reacher's daughter. Mm. He has no memory of this. He doesn't know the mom and stuff. He's really weirded out by it. They never come right out and say whether or not he's the father. Jack Reacher? Yeah. Okay. So it's just like, it's kind of left up to like the audience's interpretation whether or not he's the dad. It's clear that he's not, but just like... As, as your job as a script writer is to tell me what's going on. And that seems like... That's a pretty, asking a little much. I don't think so. If, if the writers for Infinity War can like end the show that I know everything that's going on when there's a glove with magic stones yeah. on it that gives a god thing magic powers to snap his fingers and make everyone die, and that all makes sense to me in the context of that story, the major plot point of Jack Reacher having a daughter or not having a daughter should be pretty clearly spelled out by the end of that movie. Am I right? Yeah. So, so I guess the moral is the script screenwriter of Jack Reacher probably should have attended a class in elementary school where the object was to write about elf murder so he could learn how to write a proper story with some kind of resolution. Right, he could have tied it up in a Christmas bow. I'm proud of that. You tell. Yeah, well, you, you would be proud of that too. You just, you're bummed you didn't think of it first. Oh, so much football. Football, football, all over the Bears. And I'm so excited (laughs) to talk about it. This is Subjectively Correct Sports, the only show in the known universe featuring Anthony and David talking about sports and other things like elf murder and Jack Reacher, which was an obvious tie-in. Obvious tie-in. You can find the show on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, This week, we're not going to be on YouTube. We'll post post this audio to YouTube. Yeah. 
Uh, no video this week. We're still working out some things that we want to do in 2019, but uh, stay tuned for things that we're going to do. Um, I'm excited maybe about uh, having our own writing articles uh, on our website. Like course writing? Equestrian. We're the uh, premier equestrian podcast. No, no, like uh, like elf murder writing, where we write about Write stuff. on a sleigh. No, 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 write like... Okay, W-R-I-T-I-N-G, writing, like with a pen and paper, except we'll probably do keyboards because, I mean, let's face it, it's 2019. And we mail it off to all of our listeners. Why would we mail it? On we have, pen and paper. We have How a, else do you get pen and paper? We have a website, Anthony. Okay. You, I think you helped build the website. Do you know that? Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. <laughs> why would we mail stuff to our one listener? We could just put it on the internet. Well, then why are we writing it on a piece of paper? Like, why don't we just type it? Into a word processor. We could. I always recommend to my students that you write it out by hand first as like a rough draft. That way you can make edits by hand. It's a lot easier to do and mm. you can see where you've been and where you're going. But when you edit on the, the word processor electronically, it takes away the, uh, the ideas that you had before. So maybe as you're making adjustments, the previous ideas you had can help spurn a memory or help you make adjustments to what you're already writing. So pen and paper first is a great way to start your writing. Unless you're writing a really long piece. You know, like a novel or a novella. Are you falling asleep? Right. Hey, welcome to Subjectively Correct Sports. Man, I feel our like website I'm is www.subjectivelycorrect.com. And I'm serious about putting our own writing pieces on that. I think that'd be cool. Anyway, follow us at Subcorrect. Right Sometimes along. we tweet there. Uh, at AG Montague for Anthony for his occasional tweets about the Lakers and Dodgers that are irrational. And mm-hmm. at DP Henderson 1515. I might. Tweet about my favorite shows or funny stuff I see. Uh, Mark Hamill's a good Twitter follow, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Email the show uh, at our email. That seemed a little subject- forced. No, subjectively correct at gmail.com. Oh, I get it. Like the force. The forced. So his wife put a poster, uh, a post-it note on He's the- He's married? Yeah, to the same Spoiler. woman for like- no, is that a- okay. He's been married to the same woman for years. And his wife put a, a, a note on the- on the fridge, and people in my family will appreciate this a little bit. It said, "Remember to force all capital the door closed because sometimes the fridge doesn't close all the way. Shut uh-huh. the door, right?" But when she did it, she didn't connect that her husband is the most famous force user ever as Luke Skywalker, and just did it like force it closed. And so uh, Mark and the kids laugh at that every time they go past it. All I learned from that story is that Mark Hamill is extremely cheap. He's it is very successful actor. Buy a fridge that works. I think he gets more money from the action figures that look nothing like him. <laughs> Have you seen like the Star Wars action figure fails? It's just like repurposed G.I. Joe's. Or yeah, something. it's bad. <laughs> Some of them you're like, what is wrong with Luke's face in this one? Doesn't look anything like him. Anyway, football. Heard of it. Yeah, so it's a game with an oval ball. Some call it the pigskin, which, you know, the pill. The pill? The duke. You never heard the term sling the pill around? I don't think so. It's pill shaped, kind of. Okay. It's more pill shaped than like a basketball, which is ball shaped. Why do we call it a football? Well, a ball is an object that gets like thrown around and kicked and played with, so makes sense to me. Is a hacky sack a ball? <clears throat> no. Then, but it's thrown around and kicked and played with. Hacky sack should be a ball then, by that definition. Let me let me think about this for next show. We should call it the foot oval. But we don't really use your feet that much. Like the feet come into play every once in a while with the ball. It's more like a handball game, so we should call it hand oval. Oblong. Hand hand oblong. Hand oblong inflated thing encased in animal skin. PETA is not going to like that. I doubt PETA listens. So what happened in football this weekend? I don't know. I was driving. <laughs> I watched most of the games. Okay. 
So um, we had NFL wild card round of the playoffs. It was super exciting. Colts versus Texans, Cowboys versus Seattle, Chargers versus Ravens, Eagles versus Bears. And some of the games were, they were good games because they were close at the end, but some of them were really hard to watch. Like the uh, the Chargers, uh, Chargers-Ravens games, it was like seven field goals to start the game or something crazy like that. It was like, it was tough to watch. Yeah. I mean, eventually the Chargers did pull away. Yeah. But then the Ravens came storming back. All of a sudden, all the offense was in like the, the fourth quarter. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get to that game. Uh, I want to start with the Colts and Texans because the Colts are legit. And we've been saying for uh, a few weeks that they're like approaching bubble good just because they didn't they, they wouldn't lose. Yeah. They refused to lose. Right? They got the heart of a champion. They don't know how to lose. They All they do is win. Keep it going. I'm your cliche hype man. Keep it rolling. You got me going. Um, you sound like an NFL coach right now. They Keep want it, it more. They did it so much. They want it so much more. What else you got? Um, They left their guts on the field. Yes, they did. Their guts are all over the place. From the 50 to the 25 to the 10. Touchdown guts. They've also got a lot of luck. See what I did there? No. Andrew Luck. Oh. Yes. And Andrew Luck is officially back after a, a missed season last season. Uh, there and were some question magic marks. European medicine that fixed his arm. <laughs> uh, probably some some yak spray and uh, uh-huh. other other illegal. No, I don't want to say. No, I'm not going to allege Look, anything. Look, here's the thing. The dude had a bad injury, probably a botched sur- surgery that no one's talking about. He disappears in Europe for like six months, comes back, and he's now 10-1 and one over his last 11 games and looks great. You yeah. tell me what happened in Europe. No, he looks awesome. Um, Went to Transylvania and got like Frankenstein's arm sewed on, and now he's like he already had his voice. <laughs> yeah, he's so just true. completing the transformation. Oh, he is. One of my favorite things is like imagining what Andrew Luck says when people compliment him. I'm sure it's like, oh shocks, oh god, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. But his his injury and missed time was perhaps a blessing in disguise because it allowed the Colts to get some really good draft picks. And to really focus on parts of the team that they hadn't before. They've invested in the offensive line. Which looks great, by the way. You know, they've they've gone against some of the, the, the three best pass rushers the last three weeks. Guess how many sacks Khalil Mack, I'm blanking on names right now, the guy from the Rams, Aaron Donald, and there was one more that I'm, that I'm forgetting right now. But three of the best pass rushers in the league the last three games. Guess how many sacks they had? Um, I'm going to say two. Zero. Okay. And they hit him like twice. Yeah. And so when your offensive line is shutting out those guys, Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack and X guy, whoever it was, some other good really good football I'm player. I'm sorry. My brain's at like 3% right now. I drove 14 hours in like a day and a half. Anyway, uh, if you're shutting out those guys, like they're not even getting to the quarterback, you're going to be yeah. successful when your quarterback's as good as Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. He's Stanford smart, right, Anthony? Yeah, he's super smart. Everyone on- at Stanford's smart, right? Yeah, only so smart. Only super so smart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Your alma mater would be proud. They have two rookies on the all-pro team, the Colts do. That's amazing. Which like hasn't happened since the, since the 60s. Uh, so they've drafted well. They've invested money in, in areas of, of the team that needed to be addressed. Because when Andrew Luck, before his injury, the Colts, like they made the playoff most years and like Andrew Luck seemed to like will them he, he was really good at like coming back in games and they'd end up with like a decent record most years um but they just their offensive line was porous he was always getting hit always yeah. rushed um he was he was always scrambling for his life like he would yeah. make plays with his feet 
out of necessity. Yeah. Not because of a design play or anything like that, but he would just be running for his life and he'd be able to squirt around, squirt around, squirt out of the pocket and make a play. Yeah. Please don't let me say squirt out of the pocket ever again. <laughs> so, okay. Blah. And so now that he's got a complete team around him, um, they look dangerous. Yeah. And they're, we're, we'll get into this later, but they're, they're facing the Chiefs and I'm calling it right now. We're going to talk about it in a few minutes. That's what I'm calling. Oh, man, I was hoping for... Okay, whatever. That's the ultimate tease. So what's with Deshaun Watson? You wanted to talk about Deshaun oh, Watson at this game? Yeah, okay. So Deshaun, he was he was fine. He was average in this game. He was, you know... He, interesting thing about uh, Deshaun Watson, he... Well, okay. here It's just a general comment on all probably NFL and NBA and every other player that, that celebrates when they do something well. I'm all for celebrating. I love it when players show emotion. I'm sensing a butt. But I knew it. I'm for situational celebration. Like have some awareness of what's going on in the game. Gotcha. Okay. So if you're down by 25, don't like Hingleberry all over the end zone. When you're down by 21 in the fourth quarter and you make a first down, huh. you probably shouldn't do the first down salute, right? When you're when you and, and not not just once, but like repeatedly, and even one time when you didn't actually get the first down. Okay, so I just think time and place, okay? Like for the most part, early in a game, all the good plays, yeah, hype it up. You want you want to get the crowd on your side. You get want that momentum t- rolling, That's get right. the team into it. Or you make a, an awesome play that, that solidifies your lead or increases it, like great, okay? Or you do something that, that inches you closer to a comeback, awesome. But when you're so far down that you need three scores... And you're you're given the first down salute, or your defensive player, and you sack the other team's quarterback, and like it's irrelevant because it's in the last three minutes of a game that you're gonna lose. Like it to me, uh, it just it just tells me like you're not not that you're not aware of what's going on. Obviously, you're aware of what's going on in the game, but like, do you care? Right? Do you care? Like this is serious. This is de- especially in the playoffs, right? This is desperation. Playoffs. And and like. All that little thing, that just takes away time. And if you looked at the Texans, like, they, when they finally had some momentum in the fourth quarter, they took, like, six and a half minutes on one drive to score, and yeah. there was, like, no urgency. And so it's just it's a little frustrating to watch because, um, and again, all for player celebration when appropriate. But when your team's down and down big in the fourth and you're at home, the fans don't want to see you celebrating a first down, right? Touchdowns, okay. Always celebrate a touchdown. Always celebrate an interception. I don't care. Right? But, like, these routine plays, they don't need a celebration all the time, especially especially when you're down. Are you done curmudgeoning all over the place right now? I'm just... Are you I'm applying just, for... I'm just upset because Alabama's going to lose the next oh. championship. <laughs> are, you, are you applying for curmudgeon of the week? Because you're getting close. I, I don't know. I... I understand what you're saying. I get your side of it. Yeah. But at the same time, like, go out and have fun, man. Like, you're doing one of the most difficult things in the world, which is playing a sport where your body and your brain get destroyed every week. Like, celebrate the good times. Stop and smell the roses, if you will. I don't think we do that enough in life. Deshaun Watson, you gain three yards on a scramble. <laughs> you celebrate the crap out of that play. Right? Go for it. And, Dad, if you're listening... I know you're going to say that whole lot. Act like you've been there before or Anthony's right and stuff like that. I don't care. Have fun, man. Oh. Sports are fun. It's oh. not Sports is entertainment. Make it as entertaining as possible. Okay. Well, all right. Game two that I want to talk about. Cowboys versus Seahawks. 
Everyone thought the Seahawks had a bunch of momentum coming into this game. They had kind of turned their season around. They weren't expected to make the playoffs. And um, I think they were a popular pick to upset the Cowboys. Because no one really believed in the Cowboys, me being one of them, because the division they played in was stinky hot garbage this year. <laughs> and they still have two teams in the playoffs. I the NFC East has two teams in the I playoffs I don't understand still. football, man. <laughs> no one knows what we're watching. Like, even the experts, like Mel Kuyper Jr., that are spo- they're supposed to like know college football and stuff, they're yeah. wrong so often, and we just keep paying them money to tell us about stuff they're going to get wrong. Yeah, It's so crazy. And you know, I don't have much to say about this game. I think the, the Cowboys had a good game plan, but I think the the Seahawks outcoached themselves. Like, it felt like Pete like, Carroll and whoever, uh, Schottenheimer, uh, offensive coordinator, did not use Russell Wilson to it, 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 how they should have, right? I, it felt like they they were very predictable on first and second downs. They didn't get him out of the pocket. They didn't, yeah. that kind of stuff. They, they didn't use, use all of his, his tools. Like, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, no qualifiers. He's one of the best. And um, he just, it looked like he was a game manager. So this leads me to remember our discussion we had about quarterbacks and how the highest paid quarterbacks are not in the playoffs this year. And maybe you don't want a high paid quarterback, but you want a uh, a low paid quarterback who is just good enough and then surround him with studs. Yeah. Right. Because Russell Wilson is an example of both. When he was first in the league, he was one of those really good quarterbacks on a really good contract. In fact, one of the cheapest contracts out there. So you could surround him with the Legion of Boom. Mm-hmm. But now he's a high paid quarterback and you can't surround him with a talent because of the salary cap. So Russell Wilson is a good case study for how you should pay your quarterbacks. And don't get me started on Kirk Cousins. They're out of the playoffs and stuff, so I don't have to talk about it. But Kirk Cousins is not going to help you win playoff mm-hmm. games. He's just not. Yeah. And and Dak Prescott. I don't know why is... I took a shot at Kirk Cousins there. I don't wow. know. He's already dead, man. You know what? I probably had that take like buried deep inside, and I haven't had a microphone in front of me, and the microphone just like magne- magnetically pulled that 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 bile for yeah. Kirk Cousins out of my system. I feel better now. I feel cleansed. <laughs> And Dak Prescott's in that situation where he's on a super good contract. Um, he's good enough, right? Like, I don't think he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but but he's got so many good pieces around him that as long as he doesn't throw the game away, they can um, they can they could obviously won this round. I think they have a slight shot at winning uh, against the Rams next week. And you never know the NFL that that oblong pigskin ball thing. It can bounce anyway, and that's what we that's what we like to say. It's mm-hmm. not a round ball. Right, you never know how it's gonna bounce. Cliche time. <laughs> um, my uh, one of my favorite match matchups of the weekend: Chargers versus Ravens. So many field goals. Ugh. Old Phil Rivers does it again. So many field goals. He uh, he gets his team to the divisional round by against, kicking field goals against a team they lost to at home, uh, which for the Chargers is a road game. <laughs> their their home games are road games. So right? confusing. The NFL is going to look very different just in a couple of years with like the Raiders in Vegas, the Chargers somewhere, California. I don't know. I think they're staying in LA. Yeah. I think they're, yeah. They're it's building just, it's just crazy. Yeah. Everything going on in the NFL. And they're still going to make so much money off of these teams. It's crazy. Um, so this was an interesting game because um, the Ravens could not get anything going offensively until the fourth quarter. Yeah. And you wondered... You know, you maybe didn't wonder, but I, because you're you hate Joe Flacco, but I wonder, okay, so okay, watching I, the game, I was wondering, okay, at what point do you put Joe Flacco in? Because Lamar never. Jackson 
doesn't have it today. He yeah. he he was missing a lot of his throws. He hasn't thrown for over sixty percent, uh, maybe since high school or maybe ever. Like I don't I don't even know if in high school he threw for sixty percent. There was in some stat out there. No 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 it, for, it, for like, his career for a season. Oh for a season for a season. Gotcha. And and his his lack of of his inability to to accurately throw the football was uh, was on display in this game. He was under throwing everyone. He was throwing balls in the dirt. I mean, it was just it was a bad performance. When he was able to get out and run, he he looked good and he made some really good athletic throws, especially in the fourth quarter, but it was too little too late and he was he was a big reason they were down the entire game. Give the Chargers defense a lot of credit because they were in the backfield yeah. all night. So I think you give Lamar Jackson or any decent quarterback a good pocket and they'll make good plays. But the Chargers were able to consistently get pressure with four guys, which means there are seven guys in coverage. And so at least two, probably two wide receivers are going to be double teamed, or at least you're going to be in a suffocating zone. And then Lamar Jackson had to scramble around. And those athletic plays he was making was because he was under duress, kind of like we were talking about earlier with Andrew Luck. So I feel like we need to give the Chargers defense a ton of credit. They were yeah. moving Joey Bosa around, and I feel like that plus the pressure they were able to get, uh, the confusion that caused moving Joey Bosa around and the pressure they were able to get made Lamar Jackson look as bad as he was. Joe Flacco would have fared worse in that game because he would have been cement-footed. He may have been able to move in the pocket with a little more awareness than Lamar Jackson because he has more experience, but Joe Flacco would have been buried play after but, play. Yeah, I, I think I think they, the defense could have gotten to him, yes, but... I think he makes a lot of the throws that Jackson misses. Like in clean pockets, you mean? No, not even in clean pockets. Just those quick throws that, that Jackson couldn't hit. Oh, so like those hot reads and yeah. those types of plays? Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. And and you just wonder, like, obviously the Chargers had prepared for Jackson, right? And yeah. you just wonder if a halftime change or a third quarter change, you bring in Flacco, if that, that different look sparks something in the offense. Like the Jalen Hurts to a Tagovailoa yeah. situation from last year. Exactly. Possibly. Um, but I think it's it's clear the Ravens sent a, a message that Flacco is the past and Jackson's the future. If there was any time to bring Flacco back, it was during this game. But yeah, it was and very they chose clear they weren't to. willing to do that. They chose not. And He's got yeah. And we don't know what we see they see in practice and stuff. They're yeah. watching the film and stuff. So they're so Flacco is clearly on the decline and why not go? I mean, you, they probably don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. So you might as well give your young quarterback who you think might be your franchise quarterback, you need to give him uh Reps yeah. and playoff reps, that's a really good way to get experience for your young quarterback. It was kind of surreal, too. Um, they they'd show, uh, they do shots at the bench, and you see Joe Flacco talking to, to RG3. Um, that is a trip, man. And, that is you know, a trip. Eight, eight years ago, those two are, they're, they're two young quarterbacks leading their team to the playoffs and one to a Super Bowl. Um, and, and now they're second and third string quarterbacks behind a rookie. Oh, how the turntables have turned. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, okay, last game of the weekend was Eagles versus Bears. Good transition. Thank you very much. <laughs> that wasn't clunky. Uh, what was clunky? <gasps> what? Cody Parker's double doink oh, off the upright and crossbar. Because it clunked off the poles yes. twice. Yeah. The sports ball clunked off the sports bars twice. Which is like physically impossible to do in Madden. Yeah, like you can't, right? Yeah, you can to quote... A, a, 100,000 simulations, and you'll never get that result. To quote Marshall from uh, How I Met Your Mother, <laughs> the laws of physics stopped, and the laws of uh, awesome tripled. <laughs> so this was uh, this was another one of those games where it's like, 
Uh, it just wasn't a whole lot of fun to watch. Like if, if you love defensive football, this was your game. So the defensive coordinator for Clemson was all about that game? <laughs> he that was guy, fired don't up, Don't get me started about that guy. He was flexing guy. the whole game. Yeah, he was. Um, Do you think he's, he, takes, he takes blood pressure pills, right? The defensive coordinator for Clemson? I have no idea. I bet he has like a, a utility belt that has like, or like a Pez dispenser. His 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 Batman utility belts just filled with various different types of medications yes. and uppers. Yes, yeah. yes. You probably like you know those uh, those coin things on like the bus where you like yeah. the guy. It's probably like that, but instead it's like it's like medication to keep his blood pressure down because that guy looks like he's gonna bust a vein in his forehead every <laughs> second of every game. Like special teams is out there and he's like yelling at guys. He's crazy. Yeah. Um. All right, but. The defense was one story, and and both defenses played well. I mean, you hold a team to 15 or 16 points, that's a good job in the NFL. Let's talk about what you really want to talk about. The magic continues. Yes. Uh, it's been over a month that I think I've been saying Nick Foles is going to lead the Eagles to another Super Bowl. You've been saying that. Were you saying that because you wanted it to happen? I, I spoke it into existence. Sure. I am the LeVar Ball of Nick Foles. I am Le- I don't... I, never I lost. I never lost. Uh, Nick Foles. Where is he, by the way? <laughs> like his sons go overseas and suck, and he gets real quiet. Um, I talk about five minutes of fame. I don't even know where he is right now. Uh, couldn't tell. I think he's in. Uh, well, his youngest son, uh, what's it? Uh, Lamelo is playing like in Chicago or Weird. somewhere like that. Also, his oldest son is forty nine percent from the free throw line this year. But when they go I in, had to get that in. Whew. But when they go in, they go in. Forty nine percent is inexcusable for an NBA player, let alone a point guard. Anyway, I'm hoping he pulls a DeAndre Jordan, who is a career forty five percent free throw shooter, Ugh. and this year shooting seventy percent. Yeah. Somehow, Cuban. I don't know what Cuban's done to him, what he's injected him with, or who he had hypnotized him. But all of a sudden, he's a average NBA free throw shooter. He spent five minutes with Dirk Nowitzki, and Dirk Nowitzki was like, <laughs> "Dude, just do this." Problem solved. Dirk, Dirk and Luca showed him some European magic. Oh, Luca. Okay, we were talking like maybe we should have some more Dallas stuff on our podcast because we're in Dallas. And I was like, I want to be clear though. I don't want to talk about the Dallas Mavericks. I want to talk about Luca Doncic. I want to take my sons to a, a professional basketball game, but I'm afraid that when I take them to a Mavericks game, Luca's going to have just an amazing performance, and they're going to become Mavs fans. Yeah, because of Luka Doncic. <laughs> yeah, but I'm okay with being a Luka Doncic I'm, fan. I'd be the okay Mavericks with. Yes. Like, I'd be okay with them being Luka fans. I just, uh, I've eaten many times uh, with uh, Rick Carlisle. No, you haven't. You just happen to be in the same place as him when he gets his food. I've eaten behind him. How is that in the same Jimmy John's? <laughs> Our, we, I used to, my my office used to be uh, right near the uh, American Airlines and and uh, where, where the Mavs play in practice. And so there's a Jimmy John's just like down the street, in, like halfway in between both my work and, and the arena. And um, it happened on more than one occasion where we'd walk into the restaurant at the same time, make eye contact. I give a nod, he wouldn't look at me, and uh, and then he'd eat, and I'd sit right behind him so I could try and uh, hear some of his conversations and they were never about basketball <laughs> so uh cool story so i know him pretty well yes yeah, what like i'm trying to say you're basically best friends in the making this mm. is the part in the romantic comedy where like he pops up on the tv or something and you're like oh yeah there he is and then like oh he's there now and then we drive there mm. and you guys bump into each other and have a sweeping romance we become best bros and i get replaced and i feel bad i start doing the podcast by myself but then i come out of it mm. And you come back to me, and you realize that what you have in the famous 
rich, powerful man, Rick Carlisle, is nothing compared to the relationship you had with me. And at the end, we do our podcast, and it's great, and, and everyone ends, uh, uh, you know, ends the story with a good feeling in their heart. You've somehow topped the awkwardness of the uh, gazing into my eyes during the elf murder what are you talking discussion. About? Oh my goodness. What are you talking about? Is this how I was looking at you before? So, was it like this? Or was it more like this? So Nick Foles has a Smoldering. $20 million. Nick Foles has a $20 million option for next year. $20 million? $20 million. The Eagles cannot afford to pay him $20 million. Unless they cut uh, some other high-priced players. So if you're the Eagles, all Nick Foles does is win. He just wins football games, David. I would just keep him in the in like a hyperbaric chamber <laughs> until it was close to playoff time, and just throw him out there. If he's if he's cut uh, or traded, he's gonna sign a contract or get an extension that will be over a hundred million dollars, just based on his last postseason and this and this latest stretch that he's been on. Right, and his agent is going to say when he's been given a chance, his teams have won, mm-hmm. and that's. And, and How many Super Bowl MVPs are on the market in their prime? <laughs> and granted, Nick Foles' prime is not very good, but it apparently is good enough to win a Super Bowl. Well, yeah, I mean... And to win multiple playoff games in multiple years. And uh, he led a game-winning drive again. And But, okay, just entertain this for a second. If you're the Eagles... You're asking us to do something entertaining? Okay, I'll try, but no you, promises. You've now seen three seasons of Carson Wentz. Yes, you have. You had an awesome rookie season. Yep. You had a, an even better second year yes, until he got injured. That's true. And then you had a disappointing third year yep. that was mostly injured. Yeah. Okay. The trajectory on Carson Wentz, it, it's still too early to tell, right? I mean, you, you see all the talent. Especially the, the with talent, the injuries. The, the talent in, is there. The injuries make the, the analysis of his play almost impossible. Yeah. The, the talent is obviously there, but it's clouded by the injuries. And so... Do you knowing that you're going to have to pay Carson Wentz a lot of money in a couple years? Do you continue to ride Carson Wentz, or do you go with a team favorite, Nick Foles, who has proven that he can get it done in the postseason? Here's the thing. Here's what I think is going to happen. Foles is going to get some crazy contract somewhere because some team is going to be like, he's a winner at quarterback, and we need a winner. The Giants come to mind. Although they're going to stick with Eli for some reason. I don't know. I don't know. There might be some subclause in his contract. Like, you can never fire me because I'm a Manning. I don't know why he sounds like that. Probably because he's the little brother. Anyway. Uh, but he's going to get paid to go somewhere and be the quarterback. And he's going to be mediocre. You know what I mean? He's going to fizzle out. And he's going to be another one of these high-paid quarterbacks who had a couple of good playoff runs. That just kind of goes by the wayside and is known as that quarterback who won that Super Bowl MVP because his team was good. You know what I mean? Yeah. That it's for some reason this seems to keep happening in the NFL with like Tim Hasselback and Joe Flacco and Eli Manning and these quarterbacks that aren't great but that win a Super Bowl and then get all the money in the world. Yeah, they eat for free the rest of their career, right? Okay. If the magic continues and Nick Foles wins another Super Bowl. And not just wins another Super Bowl. But he replicates his performance in the last one and wins a Super Bowl MVP. Philly special. He will join Tom Brady. Yeah. Joe Montana. Sure. Bart Starr. Of course. Terry Bradshaw. Yep. And... And my personal favorite quarterback, Eli Manning. 
Eli Manning. Just kidding. Don't like him. All no, that much. and Eli Manning Blech. as the only quarterback, the only players in NFL history with multiple Super Bowl MVPs. Does that alone? Would two postseasons alone put him in Hall of Fame contention? Does Rudy belong in the College Football Hall of Fame? Um, no. Well. It depends. I don't know what the criteria is for the College Football Hall of Fame. So, so I say that because, like, the story itself is College Hall of Fame worthy. There you go. So that's right? my point. Is this? Are we putting the story into the Hall of Fame, or are we putting the player in the Hall of Fame? Because if I were a Hall of Fame player and he was put in the Hall of Fame, I would say it's like, well, yeah, but he was not a great player. He played for great teams and had two magical runs, but that doesn't make him a Hall of Fame level player. You know what I'm saying? So, so the story is Hall of Fame worthy. But, but didn't he also have, like, one of the greatest seasons of quarterback play ever under Chip Kelly? Like, I think statistically he had one of the best seasons ever. I'll have to look we'll, that we'll up. We'll have to check on that. Yeah. But, you're right, there's no there's no sustained greatness, right? Which is typically what, what makes a Hall of Famer. Right, because there have been tons of players who had two or three great years and mm-hmm. then disappeared, and they don't get Hall of Fames. Mm-hmm. And I, but, I still feel like we equate team success with quarterback success and we attribute the team success to what the quarterback is doing and i just i feel uncomfortable putting someone like that in the hall of fame when it's pretty clear that their team was what got them there yeah i, th- I just think if you're pleading the the nick Foles case and he's got two super bowls and two super bowl mvps and you point to everyone else who's ever played that has that same body of work they're in granted if, if and now if I'm arguing against Nick Foles, he doesn't have half of what the other players have. Even even Eli Manning, who you know he's not the greatest regular season quarterback, but he's he's got the he's got numbers right, and it's he's in a passing era. So the numbers are inflated. A little bit of a compiler, but yeah. Um, anyways, I don't. I think you go with Wentz. I don't think you take a shot on extending Foles. I don't think you go with Foles for your next. You know, five to ten years. I think Wentz has it all to be a uh, an elite all-pro level quarterback. Uh, he just needs to stay healthy. And I think part of that is just learning to play the position a little bit more conservative, conservatively. Yeah. Um, like any young quarterback that has the physical tools to be mobile, um, they often will take risks. And uh, and that's, that's hurt him so far. Right. Well, I think uh, giving $20 million to that quarterback, I think they would be fools. Instead of fools, right? Because that's his name. Fools. Okay, before we get out of here, because we want to watch the end of the college football... uh, Massacre. Yeah. Well, actually, Alabama is, uh, you know, I I don't think we can give specifics out. Actually, this is on delay, so I think it's fine. Alabama's about to score, so maybe uh, the game will get a little more interesting here in the third and fourth quarter. But I wanted to cover a couple of things that I found interesting. Okay. Uh, The first thing is we'll go over pretty quickly, but I came up with this list today after watching some of the NFL this week. It's the all-time dad bod first team. Oh, I like this. So here's what I'm thinking. Okay. Uh, the players need to have a dad bod, okay. right? But they also need to be like successful. So you, either your dad bod needs to be like a major dad bod, and like it's impressive that you're a professional athlete with that dad bod, even if you're mediocre or bad. Yeah. Or you need to be an amazing athlete with a dad bod. See what I'm saying? Okay. So athletic greatness, 
paired with a dad bod, even if it's a mediocre or, or minor dad bod, mm-hmm. or a major dad bod, and you are a professional athlete, you, you okay, even mediocre, right? So it's almost like the crazy hot scale, okay. but it's like dad bod and athleticism, okay? okay? So here's my all-time dad bod first team list that I just came up off the top of my head. Because I was watching football, and because he got hurt, and this is why some of the coaching decisions were weird in the Seattle game, yeah. Sebastian Janikowski. Yes. The dude's like 41, super dad he bod. Is thick yes, in he all is. the wrong ways. <laughs> yes, he is. He's just T-H-I-C-K thick. <laughs> but he, dad bod, okay? But he's also one of the most consistent kickers ever, okay? James Harden, absolute all-time dad bod first teamer, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he does not look athletic at all. He looks like a gopher <laughs> with a beard. <laughs> okay, I'm going to trust you on that. Okay, there's a little creature in Utah called a potbelly. At least that's what, uh, I'm it's not sure it has some other name, mm-hmm. but the locals call him Pot Bellies. That's what he looks like. Uh, Paul Pierce, all-time oh, yes. uh, dad bod first teamer. No muscle definition. Yeah. Dion Waiters. Mostly because it's major dad bod with mediocre athletic <laughs> talent, right? Okay. He's in that scale, right? Mm-hmm. But I think he's above the dad bod uh, line. Pete Rose. Interesting. Okay. Especially towards the end of his career. Maybe at the beginning of the career he looked like a super athlete, but you look at the end of his career, total dad bod. Uh, this one, I think it might be a little unfair, but Babe Ruth. <laughs> I don't know. I think he was packing some serious muscle under the under the flab. Sounds like dad bod. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> plus, plus the the level of his dad bod combined with his athletic excellence, which is still baffling to modern people. Like he was basically drugging himself, smoking cigars, and drinking beer, and dominating Major League Baseball for years. Especially that body in 1920. Like that body today is like an average American male, <laughs> right? right? Back then, like, <laughs> he's had his time. It was a st- statistical anomaly, yes. right? Like yes. the average male waist was like 26 inches. I'm just making that up. You know, 75% of statistics are made up on the spot. Mm. Old joke. Speaking of dad jokes, gosh. Okay, uh, you added this one to the list. I don't know, Peyton Manning? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, you look at, like, some of his commercials and, and uh, like, when he was on SNL and stuff. Like, he's... You know what? I haven't heard from him in, like, a couple of days. Maybe he's sick or something. Is he in the hospital? Someone go check on Peyton. Uh, I'm surprised his, his long neck... His long fused neck hasn't found its way into the college football playoff somehow. When you eat Papa John's eight days a week, you're going to get a dad bod. So true. But when it's free, what else are you going to do? I would love a Lucky Charms thing. Like if we, if like Lucky Charms was one of our sponsors for the yeah. pod, I would be in seventh heaven, man. Oh, sorry. Seventh heaven. What was that? It was Irish. Oh, okay. Not very good. But there you go. Almost as good as my Winston Churchill. Almost. I can I can only aspire to do so much, uh, but also okay to finish off our all time dad bod first team list. Bartolo Cologne, ultimate dad bod. Yes, and he's like his dad bod is like the Energizer Bunny. It's just it ain't gonna stop. I still think he might be Lonzo Ball's dad. <laughs> it should be noted for this list we excluded all golfers. Yeah, it just doesn't count. Too easy. Yeah. Uh, something else I wanted to talk about today before we close out the show. I know uh, our listeners are anxious for us to end this episode. <laughs> but uh, uh, the Warriors-Rockets game, did you watch that? Uh, yeah, I did. That I was, was crazy. I was in a house with my dad, my mom, my grandma, and my wife, and I think my, my brother and his wife. And I said when Kevin Durant was clearly like eight feet out of bounds – and he's right. actually almost that tall, so that makes sense. He was like eight feet out of bounds and knocked the ball in play, and the Warriors made a go-ahead basket. I was like, oh, James Harden is so mad. He's going to make a three-pointer to win the game. And that's what happened. Yeah. But uh, 
a little after that, Steph Curry did. A, he tried the James Harden like double step back thing and made a made a shot. He was called for a travel, and then he threw up what kind of looked like a gang sign at first. But he was just holding up a one and a three against his chest, like he was James Harden. So he like if James Harden can get that call, why can't I get that call? Interesting. I thought that was really interesting. And what James Harden is doing is so just aesthetically unpleasing. It's like you want to rinse your eyes out with basketball soap after you watch it because it just looks gross. But he puts up 40 a night. Yeah. And sometimes against the Warriors, for example, he didn't get all of his points from the free throw line like he's wont to do. He just put up a bunch of threes. He made them. He made them when they mattered the most. And he made good plays when it mattered the most. You know what the craziest thing that happened that game? Austin Rivers made an essential three-pointer. Multiple. That was shocking to me. Shocking. Well, it, it was crazy because the Warriors looked like they had the game in the bag. I yeah. mean, they, they had the crowd was way into it. They were running away. Steph was hitting crazy threes like he always does. He's, He's so good. Um, and the Rockets just stayed it. It was like the Rockets from last season. They just kind of stuck around and then Harden got super hot and Rivers. <laughs> Austin Rivers. Clutch. <laughs> Somehow Austin Rivers contributed to a basketball game. Clutch. And and they ended up winning. It was it was one of the more entertaining basketball games I've seen, non-playoff basketball games I've seen in a long, long time. Right. One of my favorite things about that game was after James Harden made that three-pointer and probably got fouled when he did it, but they didn't call it, he looked right over at Draymond Green and yelled something <laughs> vicious. I yeah. don't know what it was, but the bearded face... And the yelling, it was like I was watching a dwarf from Lord of the Rings who had just lost a sibling attacking the goblin who had just killed his sibling. It was rage and fury. It was like all of Durin's folk and all that rage was just combined into one massive ball. Of- Glorfindel was on dwarf rage. He's an elf. Mm-hmm. David is in physical pain right now. I, I wish you all could see this. Glorfindel is an elf lord. From Mirkwood. No, oh. now you just in the candy to, cane forest. Now you just do that to make me mad. The candy cane forest, and we brought it back to Will Ferrell's character in Elf. Well and done, yes. well done, and tie that up with a Christmas bow. Even though it's after Christmas time, Happy New Year, everyone. It's 2019. LeBron, please come back soon. LeBron James teams in the last 16 games he's missed, they've won exactly one time. LeBron James is. He, he's a one-man playoff team. Yes, he is the most important player in basketball. So, he, he's so please the come back soon. He's we, the MVP. We miss you. Did you see the stuff on Twitter and social media of like him, Rob Palinka, and Magic Johnson talking? Yes. A lot of us have like, execute order 66. <laughs> right. That was one of my favorites. So someone took No one is safe on the Lakers. Oh, no. No one. So, except for LeBron. Not even Luke Walton is safe. Oh, no. Someone did a picture of uh, they put uh, LeBron's uh, face on Anakin Skywalker's face. In the scene in Star Wars Episode Three, where he goes up to the younglings in the Jedi Temple and turns on his lightsaber and is about ready to kill him, and all the little kids were the faces of all the Lakers, even <laughs> Luke Walton. It was fantastic. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, all right, let's watch the end of this uh, football game. It looks like uh, unless Alabama over the next twenty minutes can score about twenty, uh, they probably need to score three touchdowns and hold Clemson to one, maybe. No, not even that. No, they need to score three. They need they to score, need to score three, three times. Three times. They need three scores, and they don't need to give up any points. Wow. So we're gonna we're gonna go watch the end of the Nick Saban era. <laughs> wow, he's gonna be so curmudgeonly after this game. So curmudgeonly. Oh, you know what? I bet there's gonna be a heel turn. I bet he's going to be the most pleasant guy ever. So after this gracious game. and he's defeat. so great because he knows next year he's getting like all of his best players back. Yeah. Well, so is Clemson. So this is this could be a. I mean, they played what two years ago. 
something like that. Yeah. Maybe no, did they? Yeah, I think they played two years ago, and Clemson won then. And so, uh, yeah, Saban's going to come back with some fire next year. I think that'll be fun to watch. All right, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. We'll up. Exactly. We'll be back Thursday. Thursday.